Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Are you ready for the Word of God? I'm going to give you a disclaimer first. Is that okay with this message? Who likes disclaimers? This message will get better as it goes. <laughs> okay? So we're going to have a rocky start, and then we're going to pick up. It's going to be a bit like taking off in a windstorm. I was meant to be in Sweden today, preaching at another church in a conference, and my flight couldn't get off the ground on Friday. So you've got me. So yeah. Sorry, Sweden. Enjoy your meatballs. I'm right here. 2 Timothy 4.7 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I want to share openly today one of my biggest fights. We all have fights, we all have things that we have to fight, and this fight is not about a person or a specific thing, Um, the fight is actually within me. Timothy talks about his fight, I want to talk about my fight. And for me to finish the race which God set out for me, I've got to deal with this fight. And I think it's a fight that we're all going to be able to relate to. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a first takeaway today. That our greatest enemies are not external, they are internal. The greatest enemies, the greatest fights we fight are not external. It's not the boss at work. It's not your neighbor whose dog won't be quiet at night. That's not your biggest fight. Your biggest fight that you fight is internal. And the older I become, I'm turning 30 soon, the older I I come, why are you laughing? The older I get, the fight becomes more real. And so I want to talk to you about my number one internal enemy. It's the word discouragement. Discouragement. What a happy start. You know, discouragement, I've no doubt about it, you've all felt it from time to time, or maybe you're feeling it even today. And discouragement can hit you like a ton of bricks. You can be having a great morning, suddenly an email drops, suddenly the phone rings, and suddenly discouragement. It could be a a financial situation, a report from the doctor, and you're feeling encouraged, and then you get hit by discouragement. Do you know how many times that I've been encouraged in church and I've driven out of the gates. Do you know how many times I've driven out of the road and suddenly I've been so encouraged and then I hit by a wave of discouragement? Does anyone else know what I'm talking about? You leave church, you're so built up and encouraged in our faith and vision, vision 2022, part one and part two was just phenomenal. And that Sunday and then the Tuesday night, Nearly 500 people in the room on a Tuesday cold night in February. And then Wednesday, I got hit in my health. I got so discouraged. In fact, I was so unwell on that Sunday. I called Steve on the first. I said, Steve, you're going to have to preach. And by the way, he preached. So God had a, had a plan. But the challenge with discouragement is discouragement doesn't just affect us. It affects those around us and those closest to us. And discouragement can ripple through a home, it can ripple through a marriage, it can ripple even through your workplace so quickly. That's why the enemy loves discouragement. The devil loves it because he thrives on it. And so discouragement then becomes a fight. 
And it's not a fight that you win one day and it's good for the rest. It's a fight you have to fight every day to choose to walk in courage. Would anyone else admit they struggle with discouragement? Five of us. You unholy lot. It's really... Guys, if you're gonna if you're gonna lie anywhere, don't do it in church. <laughs> Who struggles with discouragement from time to time? Okay, that's better. That's better. And if I want to write this down, if we don't deal with discouragement, it can grow into depression. This this is the challenge we have. I think what's happened with COVID. We've all been discouraged. We've been away from community. We've been away from friends, family. Haven't been able to travel, and we've got dis- we've got so discouraged. And in that discouragement, it's turned into depression, and our world is depressed. But the good news is, as we stand and read the Word, we're going to read our key verse. We're all going to stand together. We're going to read our key verse for 2022 because there's good news. There's good news today. In fact, we're not just going to, I'm not going to read it. We're all going to read it together. We need to read it at home, read it in the office, read it uh, in the kitchen, read it in the bath, whatever uh, you're up to right now. Are you ready? Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Father, we thank you that your word brings courage. Your word brings encouragement. Even in, uh, in, in a season of maybe discouragement or even a, a, a season where people are feeling depressed, Father, today, Father, people would rise up with the feet of courage in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can take your seats. Put your seatbelts on as you go down. Our first mandate for the year we talked about three weeks ago was walk, arise with the feet of courage. There's two camps that we can live in in life. There is the camp of discouragement or the camp of courage. And too many of us as followers of Christ are camping in the camp of discouragement. I believe today that we're going to walk out of those doors with the feet of courage. Whatever discouragement you've brought in, whatever feelings you're battling right now, I'm going to believe by the time we finish this service that things are going to shift in your life and you're going to take on this week with courage. And often we can get discouraged and we don't even know why. This week I've known of two pastors personally who have quit the ministry because they're discouraged. People in the NHS, they're quitting because they are discouraged. People in workplaces, people are quitting in marriages. People are quitting because they are so discouraged. And discouragement is becoming a chronic illness in society. And discouragement causes you to question what you'd previously affirmed about your faith in God. You see, when we get discouraged, we ask questions like, did God really speak to me? Did God really call me into lead a church? Did God really call me into this marriage? Did God really tell me that he could heal me? And discouragement creeps in. See, people don't lose their faith overnight. People lose their faith over a season. And it begins with discouragement. We can even ask questions like, is Jesus real? Is Jesus really the son of God? One of the things which 
discouragement does, and one of the signs if you're discouraged is this, you'll be asking questions about your faith. Constantly. And discouragement makes you question, was your experience in church last Sunday really real? Discouragement even makes you question, how could a loving God allow this to happen in our world? How could a loving God allow this to happen in our city? And then discouragement becomes a pit. And it becomes a pit that we desperately want to get out of, but we don't know how to get out of. And so many people in our world right now are in a pit. And it's a pit of discouragement. Throughout King David's life, he continually had to deal with discouragement. I love King David because he was so real. He was one of those authentic leaders in the Bible. And his life was a roller coaster of battles, of losses, of courageous acts, and then discouragement. His life is a roller coaster of sin and God's grace. And in the midst of some of his most discouraging moments, he teaches us principles to set ourselves free from discouragement. Now, I've chosen the title of this message very carefully today because I want us to understand that climbing out of the pit of discouragement is a, is a dual effort. It's between us and God. It is not all down to God and it is not all down to us. But you've got to make a choice today. If you are feeling discouraged, if you are continually being overwhelmed by feelings of discouragement, you have to make a choice today. And it's a choice that I am making on a daily basis. And the choice is this, to set yourself free. To set yourself free. I want to talk a message today called Set Yourself Free. I'm going to give us five or six principles from the life of David, which he set himself free from the pit of discouragement. Number one, if you take your notes, is this. You've got to pray your way out. Might sound cliche. Psalm 73, David finds himself discouraged. He's discouraged because he has morally fallen. He has slept with another man's wife, he has had an affair, and he wants to quit. He finds himself in a pit of discouragement, and he says this, he says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. He's saying, yes, God, we know you're good to everyone else, but what about those who are unclean? What about those who have messed up? What about those who are in so much shame that they feel discouraged? My feet had almost slipped, I nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant when they saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. What David's saying is God is good to those who are pure, but what about those who have messed up? Then he looks around and he sees people with no struggles. Have you ever seen people with no struggles and you think, why me, God? They're living free. They're, living, they're walking with the feet of courage. Don't believe everything you see on their Instagram, though. It's just a very small portion of their day. He's struggling. David's struggling with his mental health in this moment. Everyone else is getting blessed. David is a discouraged man. But the question for me is not, are you a discouraged man? Because it's quite evident in that passage that he is. The question is, how did he get there? Whenever anyone comes and sees me and they're feeling discouraged, one of the things we all have to do is to listen and find out how they got there. So for me, I'm like, well, David, I can see you're discouraged, but... How did you end up discouraged? And all we have to do is back up to the previous chapter. In fact, the very last verse of the previous chapter gives us an eye-opening indication 
of how David has found himself in the pit of discouragement. Psalm 72, 20, it says this, The prayers of Jesse, the son of David, are ended. When prayer stops, discouragement starts. I'm going to say that again. When prayer stops in your life, if you are struggling in a pit of discouragement, I can guarantee you your prayer life has suffered along the way. When David stopped praying, he opened the door for the pit of discouragement. The doorway to the pit of discouragement is a prayerless life. If you're struggling and you're waking up with waves and feelings of discouragement, it's because just like Psalm 72:20 says, the prayers of Jesse, the son of David, are ended. We cannot lose the desire to pray. May it never be said, the prayers of John, the son of Murray Norman, are ended. May it never be said, the prayers of Chantel, the daughter of Joe Cruz, are ended. The prayers of Steve Mawson, the son of Bill Mawson, are ended. What a verse to publicly acknowledge that he had ended his prayer life. And in the very next chapter, we see this rant of discouragement. Now we can learn from David's mistakes. That's what I love about David. David was so honest. David closes out that chapter, gives up on prayer, and the very next season of his life begins with discouragement. You know, I've never met a prayer-filled person who's discouraged. I'm asking God to give me a greater hunger for prayer because those moments of discouragement will come. They will come maybe even before you leave Mason Road, maybe a conversation, an email drops, something will happen. I pray that today we have a fresh hunger for God. We have a prayer meeting here every Wednesday at 12.30. This week, 13 people out of a church of 1,500 showed up. I'm not telling the church off. We all have jobs, we all have work, and sometimes it's really difficult. But we've got to get a greater hunger. Always amazes me if a football match was 2 o'clock in the morning, somehow people would find themselves at the football match. They would make a way to get themselves there. Yet prayer, the very thing we need most is the very thing that gets pushed out of our lives. And when prayer ended, discouragement started. And I want us as a church, you know, there's probably two things I want to be known as as a church. There's lots of things, but the top two things. Number one, I want to be known as a praying church. So when people say soul church, that's the church that loves to pray. And the second thought, I want to be known as the church that helps people. And I think we're doing good at that one. But I want us to be known as a church that prays. We cannot push prayer out of our life and expect to live a courageous life. If David couldn't, we can't. And church, prayer shouldn't be a burden, it should be a necessity in our life. Spurgeon said, he said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer today. <laughs> so I said that again. I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. And if you find yourself in a pit of discouragement today, prayer is the first step out. 
A lot of people, maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're new to church, maybe you're watching online for the first time, you say, that, that's fantastic, but John, I actually don't know how to pray. And there's lots of ways, and there's some great books out there and some great material and resources that we can point you to. But the most simple prayer that you can ever pray, and you can pray it whether you're on the way to work, whether you're on the way to university, whether you're in the car, on the bicycle, there's one prayer that we can all pray. It goes like this, Jesus whisper his name, Jesus. You see, when you say the name of Jesus, we've just been singing the name of Jesus. The Bible says that demons, the demon of depression, the demon of disappointment, the demon of, uh, of the things that we face, the Bible says have to flee mountains and move. When you speak to Jesus, it, speak the name of Jesus, it pierces the darkness. The enemy of our soul hates the name of Jesus. And you can be in a dark moment and you just begin to whisper that name, Jesus, and suddenly you invite the light to come in to your heart. Prayer 101 is simply Jesus. You know, anyone can do it. It's one word, Jesus. I've been singing it today, Jesus in the valley, Jesus on the mountain, Jesus in the street, Jesus for my family. I speak the holy name, Jesus. There is no other name. There is power in that name. You know, I, I honestly don't get offended. I really try and not get offended. I try and live an offense-free life. There's probably only one or two things that offend me. You can swear in front of me, and honestly, that's your deal, okay? But I cannot stand when people use misuse the name of Jesus. And I actually think, I'm not going to get out of my hobby horse, but I actually think Christians, we let people off far too lightly when they misuse the name. That name is so holy. It is so sacred. That name is untouchable. That name, there is no name in heaven which men cannot be saved by. That name, and I was at a football game a while back and someone said, yeah. it came out with my turn around and said, he's my friend. If we use the name of any other religious leader like that, we end up in court, yet people are willingly using the name of Jesus. We've got to get the holiness back into that name because you can speak it, you can say it, you can declare it, and the Bible says that depression has to flee. It's the only name in heaven on which can set you free. My dad tells a story as a young Christian he was walking down the road and a young boy was being attacked by a swarm of wasps and he didn't know what to do. He, back in the day, there was no mobile phones. There was nothing you could do apart from watching. He shouted at this, at this swarm of wasps. He shouted, Jesus! And he said, immediately these wasps just left because even nature, even animals, even insects have to call and listen and follow the name of Jesus. Jesus, who you say, well, I don't know what to pray with my children before they go to school. Just lay your hands on their head. Jesus. I don't know what to pray before I go into the exam. Jesus. I don't know what to pray as I go in for the interview. Jesus. Jesus. Come on, let's say his name. Come on, you just whisper his name. Speak it over your family. Speak it over your situation right now. Jesus. There is power in that name. You've got to pray your way out. Number two, you've got to worship your way out. We've got to worship our way out. The, the, the enemy wants us to live self-centered. My issues, 
My disappointments, my sickness, this is how the devil wants us to live. Woe is me. Woe is me. So caught up with all of our own issues. And as long as I am living self-centered, I will always find myself in a pit of discouragement. But I love what worship does. Worship takes our eyes off self. What's keeping us in discouragement onto the one who can set us free. And David, in some of the darkest, discouraging moments of his life, he pens these two verses. And he describes that two things, you might say, well, when I worship, what actually happens? Well, two things take place when you worship, whether you're in, in, in your car, whether you're in your bedroom, whether you're in church, wherever you are, there are always two things that happen when you, take, uh, when you begin to worship. Number one is you always look up. Look up. David said in Psalm 121, he says, I look up, I lift up my eyes to the hills. There comes my help. The second thing that happens is I look up and the second thing is I lift him up. I lift him up and my head shall be lifted up above my enemies. I sing praises to the Lord. So worship isn't just, you know, I love our worship. I love the songs, but they're not just cool lyrics led by a groovy band. Actually, there's... There's two things that are taking place. We are looking up over our issues, the things that are keeping us discouraged, and we are lifting Jesus up. And David, throughout the Psalms, he shows us eight ways. There's actually nine ways, but Steve's going to mention the ninth way towards the end. There are nine ways in Scripture when we're discouraged to worship God. And by the way, often the last thing you want to do is the first thing you must do. Because when you're discouraged, what do you want to do? Cookie jar Netflix. Come on, let's be honest. Yeah? Swipe right. All the things that are going to help us are the last things we want to do. And David said, no, 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 no. I'm going I'm to show you another way. First of all, you've got to pray your way out of the pit. And the second thing is you've got to worship your way out. And then he gives us eight ways to worship. Maybe you've been coming to church and you've been seeing it us all doing some peculiar things and this is very different well I want to explain what's happening first of all is David says you've got to speak the praise speak the praises of God Psalm 148 verse 1 says praise the Lord praise the Lord from the heavens praise him in the heights and even when you're just walking around the living room when you're at home you just say praise the Lord the Bible says for us to speak the praises to speak his name when you say the word hallelujah, when you say you are Jehovah Almighty, you are Yahweh, when you speak his name, you're worshiping him. And then David goes on and he says, now I want you to sing the praise. You gotta speak the praise, then you gotta sing the praise. Psalm 96 verse one says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. There's something about coming together and singing. I love when I come together and sing because you can't hear me. When I sing on my own, I can hear me. Something about singing His praises. When you begin to sing His praises, you're worshiping Him. The third way to praise, the Bible says, is you shout the praise. Psalm 47 verse one says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. There's something happens when you begin to shout. An avalanche in the spirit begins to break out. I think it's good to be quiet and reverent before the Lord, but people say, oh, we shouldn't be too loud in church yet we go crazy at a football stadium. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't do that in church. 
I'm not, that's not really me. And then I see them hugging a complete stranger at Cow Road. And we get more excited about kicking an old cow around on the field than we get about someone who gave their life for us. We speak the praise, we sing the praise, we shout the praise. And if you wanna shout, if you wanna lift up the name of Jesus, you begin to shout his praise. And this week I wasn't feeling well, I went in my office and I began to just shout unto God with a voice of triumph because I began to lift up the name of Jesus over every condition, over every issue. And some of you, you've been discouraged for so long and the Bible says you gotta open your mouth and begin to shout unto God, begin to shout his praise. Number four. David says, you've got to raise the praise. Psalm 63, 4, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift my hands. Maybe you've been coming to church for a while and think, why do people lift their hands? It's the same reason that people were lifting their hands yesterday in the copper Anfield. They were worshiping the players in front of them. When you lift your hands, here's the thing, you have a unique thumbprint person on your left and your right, even your children, even your spouse, they do not have your thumbprint. So when you lift your hand, you are sending unique worship to God. Your worship is unique to God. It means something to Him when you lift your hands. So you can't just stand there with your hands in your pockets. We are commanded to raise up and lift holy hands to the Lord because God desires the praises and the worship of His people. can praise God with their hands like you because you are unique and the Bible goes on he says in Psalm 47 verse 1 he says clap your hands clap your hands he says come on we cannot keep silent we're not on a golf course we're not on a golf course we're worshipping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the Almighty God he is our Saviour he is our Deliverer he is our Redeemer he is our coming in Psalm 24 verse 1 he says stand and pray stay standing because when you sit down you're not worshipping the Bible says in Psalm 24 verse 1 who may stand in his holy place why? because God understands sometimes we're tired Maybe we didn't have a great night's sleep. Maybe we've been at work. And when you stand, even when you stand in His presence. When I was feeling ill two weeks ago, the first thing I did was I got to my feet because I knew that when I stood, I was sending a message to heaven. And I was also sending a message to the enemy that I'm still standing. And even when you're in worship and you begin to stand and then you lift your hands and then you begin to sing and then you begin to shout unto God and you begin to clap your hands, something begins to change. Come on. Come on, discouragement begins to leave. Hallelujah. Come on, all over this house. We begin to worship. We begin to pray. Come on, clap your way through discouragement. Shout your way. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Then David said, he said, hey, in my darkest moments, the seventh way that you praised God, he says, come let us worship. He says, and bow down. He says, let us kneel before the Lord, our God or maker. Maybe you come into church and you see people kneeling. And they're not kneeling because royalty's in town, even though royalty is in town. They're kneeling because they are honoring the sovereignty of your Most High. And if you're ever in church and you want to kneel, you have our full permission. If the presence of God comes upon you and you want to kneel in His presence, you can kneel. You can stand. You can lift your hands. You do. But whatever whatever way you worship, whatever you feel comfortable. But I want to almost just give people permission again to worship in one of these seven or eight ways. And then my favorite. And this is one of the ones that's kind of flown under the radar for the last two years because the enemy's done anything in COVID. He's stolen us dancing in church because he's stolen the dance. He's stolen his worship. And it says in 2 Samuel 6, 14, it said, and David, as the tabernacle came in to Israel, it says, and David danced before the Lord. Come on, we got to get our groove on again. We got to get our dance on again. We got to know, come on, we got to be able to dance because when you dance, here's what happens. You jump upon injustice. You jump upon discouragement. You jump on the issue. You jump on your disappointment. Are you ready? Here we go. Come on, you. I've got a sneaky feeling you guys at home aren't doing it. Someone just told me they don't think you're doing it. Honestly, this stuff sets people free. You can literally dance on the discouragement. You say, well, I'm not, it's not really my thing. I can't dance. I can't dance. You're not on camera. I am. lesson in worship. See what COVID did? It tried to stop the dance. When you dance, something breaks free in your life because you humble yourself before God. You got to pray your way out. You got to worship your way out. The third thing David did is you've got to encourage your way out. David, in some of the lowest moments of his life, he comes back from war and his city's in ruins. And his own men have turned against him. David says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, he says, but David encouraged himself. Some of you, you're waiting for someone else to encourage you, someone else to put courage in you, someone else to give you a word, someone else. God is saying, That's, that might not happen. We've got to learn this art. It's called encouraging ourselves. Some of you are really good at encouraging others. But you're no good at encouraging yourself. You say the best thing over other people and you say the worst thing about yourself. And there was nothing encouraging about David's situation. And a lot of people are in a mess because they listen to themselves instead of speak to themselves. Some of you are listening to yourself and you're not speaking to yourself. And David found help in encouraging his way out. He said, why are you cast down? Why are you cast down? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil, John, within yourself? Hope in God, for I shall praise you again. If you are serious about 
getting out of the pit of discouragement. You've got to pray your way out. You've got to worship your way out. And then you've got to encourage your way out. You've got to speak yourself into victory. Speak yourself into a good mood. You cannot allow the devil to bully you. The devil is a bully. You know, I'm a bit old school, but when I grew up in school, this is how they told us to handle a bully. It was no deep breaths and take a step back, any of that. It was, you bully the bully. You do exactly what he's doing to you back. I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying I'm not an advocate of that, but that's what we were taught. And the devil tried to bully Jesus in the desert. And he tried to tempt him with everything possible. And Jesus came back at him with three words. He said, it is written. Three words. How do you bully the enemy? How do you bully the feelings of discouragement? You speak the word over your feelings and you remind your feelings what is written. You encourage yourself. I'll exalt the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head high. And my God will supply every need I have according to the riches in glory. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them. Some of you are allowing the devil to bully you. He's throwing feelings, negativity. You've got to stand up to a bully. It is written. You mess with me, you mess with God's word. Some of you got to stand up to it and speak and confess the word of God over your family, over every situation. You got to pray your way out, worship your way out, encourage your way out. Number four, and I'm going to fly through these. I've got two more. You got to share your way out. Share your way out. I say this in humility, but I know God's anointed me to preach. I know God's anointed Chantel to lead and lead worship. I know that sometimes I can stand up here under my gifting, I can stand up here under my anointing. When I stand up under the anointing, it's probably because I don't have strength for my gifting. And I know the messages that I've preached that have helped people the most have not been those under my gifting, but those under my anointing. The anointing, if you're new to this kind of language, is the presence of God. And every single person is anointed. You're anointed to be a teacher. You're anointed to be an NHS worker. You're anointed to be in business. You're anointed in the sports field. You are anointed. So God's anointing is on you. And some of my best messages have come out of a place of discouragement. When Chantal has been up here leading worship, and yet she's been grieving the loss of her siblings and her father, yet she's come up here. I think we all agree she takes us to a place that maybe we wouldn't have gone to had she not been going through the discouragement and pain. And I want to share a secret with you today. For, for getting yourself out of a pit of discouragement. Are you ready? Share your anointing. Whatever God's anointed you to do, when you're discouraged, do it. If you're discouraged and you can sing, sing. If you're discouraged and you can lead your business, you keep leading your business. If you're discouraged and God has blessed you to be a giver, you keep giving. If you're discouraged and you don't feel like serving, you keep serving. You keep doing the exact opposite to what your feelings are told you to do. 
You keep doing what God's anointed you to do. And it's amazing when you start doing it under your anointing, it has greater power. Huge portions of the book of Psalms were written by David in discouragement. Aren't you glad that when David was going through the valley of the shadow of death and when he was crying out, oh my soul, all all the pressures and the, the, the disappointments, aren't you glad that he put pen to paper? I am. Because when I'm going through some of the low points and I pick up the book of Psalms, it brings encouragement. So his discouragement under the anointing of God still brings encouragement 4,000 years later. And when you are feeling discouraged, keep picking up the pen, keep writing the book, keep preaching, keep singing, keep leading. Come on, when you are in your low place, you've got to continue to do what God's anointed you to do. You've got to share it. I'm so grateful that King David, in his lowest moments of his life, He kept putting pen to paper. Whoa. Okay, number five. You've got to block your way out. Block your way out. Some of David's final words before he died. He pulls his son into his bedside, Solomon. He's about to become king and he says these words. He says, be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you. David is a wise old man. David lived to around 120 years. And he pulls his son in close to him. And he says, I want to give you some final wisdom for your life. I want to give you my final kind of instructions. And he says, you know what? Discouragement will come. So what I'm saying to us today. Discouragement will come. But this is how we deal with it. He says, don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you. And then he says these five words. He says, he will not fail you. The devil's biggest lie, which will keep discouragement in your life is this. Are you ready? This time, you're not going to make it. How many times has the enemy whispered that to me? This time, you won't get through. This is the week you won't make it. This is the term you won't get through. And he uses this phrase, this time you will not make it. So I'm going to throw it back at him. I have five words for the devil today. And these are your five words. Every time I preach, I try and leave you a little slogan to write in your fridge or put it, in, put it on social media, but throw these words around wherever you can. These are the only five words when you feel discouragement. These are the same five words that David said to his son Solomon. Are you ready? Five words. God will not fail me. God will not, come on, you keep saying it. God will not fail me. God will not fail you to get into university. God will not fail you during this term. God will not fail you in your finances. God will not fail you in your health. God will not fail me. Come on, you gotta say it again. God will not fail me. You might get a discouraging thought and the discouraging thought could sound like this. My business is failing. And you come back at it with God will not fail me. You might have a discouraging thought this week. I don't have enough money. Energy prices are going through the roof. Petrol prices. God will not fail me. So if God will not fail me, yes, I need to be a steward. Yes, I need to be wise. Yes, I know all these things are happening around me. But guess what? God will not fail me. God will not fail me. Richard and Lynn, God will not fail you. He can't fail you. He can't fail you. 
Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. I won't get into university. No, 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 no. God will not fail me. I've got a condition in my body. The doctor said it's a permanent condition. No, 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 no. God will not fail me. God will not fail me. Come on, keep saying it. God will not fail me. Come on, Jesus is calling us today. He's calling us to climb up, to climb out of the pit of discouragement. Come on, come out of low expectation. Come out of those dark places that you've been hiding. Come on, it's time to rise and stand to our feet. And you set yourself free today through the power of Jesus. We're going to pray our way out. We're going to worship our way out. We're going to encourage our way out. We're going to share our way out. We're going to block him out this week. God will not fail you. Amen. Come on, let's sing it. You're saying today that God has, if you're online in the room, that God has spoken to you about this area of your life. You've been living in discouragement. And today you're making a decision, I'm going to get out of the pit. I don't want to spend another year in this pit. COVID has already stolen too much. But today I'm making a decision. I'm going to pray my way out of this pit. I'm going to worship my way out. I'm going to encourage my way out. I'm not going to put this on anyone else. I'm not going to blame the government. I'm not going to blame anyone else. I'm going to take personal responsibility. I'm coming out. Come on, I'm going to set myself free today. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for those who are struggling. My hand is up, all right? I'm being honest here. My hand is up. pray right now. Jesus, just whisper that name, Jesus. Just whisper that name over your condition, over your situation, Jesus. Jesus over every mind, over every situation, Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. I speak freedom right now. I speak freedom right now over every discouraged heart, over every discouraged mind. I pray as we walk out of this place, we will walk out with the feet of courage, Father God. Father, we make a decision today that no weapon formed against us, no internal weapon, no external weapon will prosper. We declare that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Come on, declare it right now. God will not fail me this week. God will not fail me this week. People may fail you. The government may fail you. Life might fail you, but God will not fail you this week. He has never seen the righteous forsaken. He's never seen the forsaken. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's lift up those holy hands. Let's lift up our voices. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.